I'm Amanda. I'm Denise. And this is Disturbing Behaviors. And today we're talking about... What? We need an intro song. We have one. That's what we need. We do? We we have an intro song? We do, yeah. It gets edited in after. Ooh. See, I learn things. I learn things all the time. And we're going to note that this is the, the most sober I have ever been during one of these these sessions, so this should be entertaining. So feel special. She stayed sober for you people. I only took one gummy, just so we know. <laughs> well, I feel As special. opposed to the three I normally take. So anyhow, <laughs> we're going to talk about the, the childhood of Ariel Castro. This, last month when we talked about Craig Price, he was a notorious killer from my home state, very close to where I grew up. And now, Amanda, this, he was in, not in in your neighborhood, but this was close to where you grew up, where Ariel Castro committed his crimes. Now, he's the individual who held uh, women hostage in his house for years. Yeah, we'll talk about his crimes, but he was in um up in Cleveland area. So. Yeah, I grew up in Toledo, so Cleveland is I think about three hours away from Toledo. Yeah, maybe four. But still, it kind of hit home when all this. I I remember when all this went down. So. All right. Well, let's get into. As we normally do, we talk about the the childhood. And I'm going to preface this whole thing by saying this dude was an asshole throughout <laughs> his entire life. <laughs> you know, I sat you know, there. And, I can't disagree. Yeah, well, you know, we sat there and we talked. When we talked about Eileen Warnos, we really talked about, you know, we had sympathy for her. Mm-hmm. You know, we had sympathy up to, uh, with her up to and through the first victim with, with her. And then after that, you know, obviously there's some, some some issues. This guy, first of all, there's not a whole lot to be found about his childhood, talking about his childhood. Now, he was born July 10th, 1960 in Puerto Rico. When that, well pretty much any place that you want to look will tell you his birth date. Yeah. But I went on to uh, biography.com trying to find some of his, his uh, just some of his information. Basically, there's really not a lot. <laughs> I did see a lot on Wikipedia. I don't really like to go on Wikipedia because it can be edited. So I don't like to use that as a source. But shockingly, the website that had the most amount of information about him was the criminalmind.fandom.com, mm-hmm. which is the Criminal Minds uh, Wiki, which, yeah, a little sad about that. So he was born to his father, Pedro Castro, his mom, Lillian Rodriguez. Now, he was, he was born in 1960. In 1962, his mom, Lillian, discovered that his father, Pedro, had a second marriage. So he was married to somebody else. 
and that woman had four children. So from what I can gather, Ariel is the, oh, I believe he's the oldest or he's the second oldest. He's towards the, the, the elder of the children, and there's a total of nine between his mom and his bio dad. So, in 1962, Lillian discovered the second marriage, and after that discovery, Pedro, his father, left to go be with that woman and her four children. Now, it looks, it gets really convoluted in, in this childhood to see whether or not his dad came back to his mom, but it appears that he was able to be raised around both of them. Kind of weird. So, in 1962, uh, at this point in time, he, Ariel was two. So, she, I don't mom, mean to interrupt you, but so you're saying his mom and his bio dad had five kids together. They had five kids together. And, and then, yeah, it looks like they got back together because Castro, uh, Ariel has younger siblings. Yeah, there's a lot, lot to unpack in this. Yeah, so yeah, it kind of went a little, like I said, it was uh, took a lot of digging to find this stuff and really trying to get a timeline of events. Most websites, so if you go on to, I went on to foxnews.com, cbs.com, there was a biography.com. There's usually like a paragraph. He was born in Puerto Rico, moved to uh, moved to Ohio, and raped and kidnapped these women. Like the, there's like really not a lot going on about like his early years and his childhood. Like I said, criminalminds.fandom.com had the most amount of information, and even then, there's still pieces missing. So. Getting back to this, when she was, so again, when he was two, so that's when his mom found out that his dad had a, a whole second family, like a whole on second family. So in 1962, the mom, Lillian, moved to Pennsylvania. I've seen that on Wikipedia, it says she moved to Re, uh, Reading, Pennsylvania. Who knows? And she left Ariel and three siblings in the care of her mother. Uh, I would say her name, but if I say this name, I am going to get a ton of hate mail. And <laughs> it is a very, it is definitely a, I'm probably going to mangle it. And I mean, absolutely no disrespect. Please understand that I have tried for years to speak Spanish. <laughs> and my brain's just like, nah, <laughs> not today. That's all the way. I can understand it. Uh, my daughter's fluent. She speaks it to me, and I can understand what she's saying to me. I can usually get the gist of what is being said. My brain's like, yeah, we're not, we're not forming those words <laughs> so you can talk back. No. I want to say it's Hercilia Carabello. Carballo, I'm probably mangling it. That's probably supposed to be a wide out. My apologies. I mean, absolutely no disrespect. So that was in 1962. She left. Okay. So she took one child with her. No, she took no kids with her. She left her four kids. There's where that fifth kid comes in. 
later on down the road, and there's like, oh. no information on that. Okay, yeah. that's what I was trying there's to figure like, out. Nine kids, yeah, yeah. It's it's one of those those like, Jesus. I thought my family history was like, <laughs> keep track of all these motherfuckers. But yeah, this one is there. So he was left. So Ariel was being raised by his grandparents. Okay, at age five. Now, he did not make this allegation when it was happening. He made the allegation much later. I think it was around the time that he was caught is when he started saying, well, I was sexually assaulted, too. But he's stating that at the age of five, he was repeatedly fingered in the anus by a nine-year-old neighborhood boy. He never reported it. But he he points to that event as being the cause for that he became obsessed with sex and masturbating as often as possible. Having raised three sons, nine's a little young for that activity, but I will say that when they get into that prepubescent puberty state, that's kind of their default setting. (laughs) Anyhow, so in 1966, the mother returned. So now this whole time, for four years, she was out. Of, she was not in Puerto Rico because Puerto Rico is a United States territory. She was in the continental United States without her children. Okay. So now he, he and Ariel alleges that when his mother came back, she was verbally and physically abusive. That she would insult him. That she, he would beat her. She would beat him with. Objects, you know, shoes, the hands, anything. And then in 1970, that's when they moved to Cleveland, Ohio. And they moved there because his, Ariel's father's brother, which would be his paternal uncle, I want to say Cassie, Stacy, I'm probably mangling it, and again, I apologize had opened a record shop and, you know, had them come live live there. So that's what I'm saying. It's, like, hard to figure out what the parental statuses are. Um, his dad did pass away in 2004. His mother is still very much alive, and the siblings have kind of gone to the wind. So that's, in 1970, they moved to Cleveland, Ohio. And at that point in time, like, once they got moved over in 1970, so at this point in time, Ariel was 10, the uncle seemed to have taken an interest in him and gave him a guitar and started teaching him lessons. And he actually became a professional bass player. Now, for the rest of his childhood, it does not look like he had a criminal interaction. It does not look like he had, was committing crimes before the age of 18. It does indicate significant domestic violence, that he was making allegations of domestic violence between his parents. And then when he got married, yeah, he, his first wife, he was very abusive. He was, I think that was really the crime before the crime is his treatment of his first, of his wife. Yeah. Because he stalked her. He actually, he was stalked her. She was a neighborhood 
let me see if I can pull this up again. She was a neighborhood, well, obviously, like a neighbor. And he was obsessed with her. So did he stalk her before they got together? Or? It looks like he was very much, very persistent with her. And they have four children. So, and yeah, she was, yeah, Romelda Figueroa. And she, that wasn't it. Hold on a second. Uh, and it looks like she's looks like she was also because here there's the allegations come from a gentleman named Fernando Colon who was Nil well she went by Nelda Figueroa. She went to go live with him after she left Castro. Okay, and. Again, this is all hearsay. She passed away. But she makes the allegations that Ariel kept her tied up in his basement, whipped her with dog chains. I mean, basically, everything that he did to those poor women he kidnapped, he was doing to her. You know, she... He, he beat them in in kind of the same way, and he would keep her locked up down there. Yeah, How long at a time would she be locked up? It doesn't really say. It doesn't look like she's talked too much. And what I am getting is most largely hearsay, like stuff that she allegedly said to the boyfriend. And this mm -hmm. stuff all came out after he had been arrested. So. How much is, is true? I'm not devaluing it, and I'm certainly not dismissing it, because, you know, what he did to those women obviously took a lot of thought. And I would not doubt that he was doing stuff like that to his wife. Like, she was the first victim. And plus, we know that victims of domestic violence rarely report. They, yes. I, I mean... We know that there's there's very low reporting. There's, you know, even when the ambulance, like her, the ex-wife went to the hospital multiple times. He beat the shit out of her, breaking bones and things like that. And she, he would allow her to go to the hospital only after she promised that she wasn't going to press charges. And honestly, true to her word, she never pressed charges. And the most violent of ones, was when she was pregnant for the fifth time and he he had a history of punching her in the stomach when she was pregnant in an attempt to cause a miscarriage and this point in time he kicked her down the stairs and that caused a brain injury you know and yeah she she left him she left him shortly before the crimes took place but she you know, she left him and she won full custody of the children. On a side note, 
I know you and I had talked about this. His own, his daughter uh, Emily from that that marriage was sentenced to 25 years in 2007 for cutting the throat of her 11 month old baby after a breakup. Now the baby survived. Pretty horrific thing, but you have to wonder how much of the domestic violence has passed through. You know, he's making right. allegations that his parents were, were abusive. Again, none of this excuses his behavior. I mean, there's not an excuse no. in the world for what he did. And I'm not, like I said, what I am seeing in his childhood, there's really nothing in his childhood that would say this man's going to grow up and be a predator. There, There's, sadly, children are sexually assaulted, but they don't turn around and Typically, they do not turn around and assault others. They don't turn around and inflict that on on others. You know, right. you've seen the acting out and everything else, it, like our Eileen Warnos did. You know how she was really became very sexualized because that's all she knew. Whereas he makes allegations. There, like I said, there was one allegation that it was a nine year old, and then there's a, another allegation where he claims it was an uncle that assaulted him if he was assaulted i do i do have sympathy for that that situation that was horrible but it doesn't mean go and kidnap and rape and brutalize women (laughs) there's there's not an excuse when a couple of these girls were kidnapped they weren't even women they were kids they were children let's call a spade a spade one was Mm -hmm. 14 one was not even 17 yet children point blank children exactly that's what it was those yeah, that that's definitely that. But there's not a whole lot on on there. It, it, there's not well documented. There's not people coming forward going, oh, well, you know, the parents did X, Y, and Z. It's not really clear if they were still together. Obviously, there was some infidelity. Again, children have parents with infidelity issues and... They either grow up to be extremely loyal to their partners or they grow up to be cheaters themselves. It kind of falls into those those categories. They don't typically turn into predators. So right. there's while there there's probably most likely some type of of, of, tra- of trauma there, there was nothing that was like, oh wow, this is really bad, you know, like it's very hard to find his childhood, but he was obviously sophisticated enough that he was able to keep, you know, he had a job. He was working as a school bus driver. Now, I did see that he was allegedly fired for bad judgment, such as making an illegal U-turn with kids on the bus, using the school bus to go grocery shopping. I thought that was rather clever. Yeah, like literally, could you imagine like pulling into the public parking lot and there's like a school <laughs> bus? I'd be like, I swear to God, they took these people on a fucking field trip to the grocery store. I need to get five items, I swear to God. Yeah. <laughs> you know? But you know, he, but there's not when I say that, but I say that to, to go into, there's not allegations of 
he was a predator at work. There's not allegations of, like, he was sexually inappropriate to the children. There's no allegations of, of that or, like, you know, he was he was violent towards the kids. That there's there's really nothing. And but that that's almost if you look at it from a so from somebody. If we take this as an extreme form of domestic violence, the perpetrators are typically narcissists. Uh, on some level, they have narcissistic tendencies, mm-hmm. but they're also typically charming to others outside the family those are the people that are like oh my god i would never have got yes and that was pretty much the response when he was busted you know we'll talk about that when we talk about his crimes but it was like oh my god he seemed like such a normal person and Mm -hmm. you know meanwhile i'm over here having spencer yell at me not to you know disclose any more crimes on a podcast so these are Ariel was able to really kind of pass through society, you know? Mm-hmm. He owned a home. I mean, he was in a blue-collar section doing a blue-collar job in a blue-collar home. Nothing about him set off red flags. Right. Which you can almost understand why people would, would get into a vehicle with him because you know, he's a school bus driver, you know? like Right. Well, you in know, these particular instances with these particular girls, all three girls knew his kids. Yes. So it was it wasn't necessarily, oh, that's my school bus driver. It was that's my friend's dad. Dad. Yeah. Mhm. Yep. And he had like you know children, and it's just it's there's nothing in his childhood that sticks out as you know. What would be the turning point? What what twisted him? You know, and I'm not saying he had a perfect childhood, and it doesn't sound like, you know, his parents were terribly involved, but then again, back in the 60s and the 70s, they really were not involved parenting, you know? Right. And there certainly was not something called gentle parenting back then, yeah. you know? You know, yeah. so that, that, I mean, getting hit with a shoe or a coat hanger or, you know, an object or... I mean, I grew up getting a belt. I mean, <laughs> I'm not going to say whether or not how that shaped me, but I will yeah. acknowledge there were moments in time I certainly deserved that. So <laughs> yeah. it was warranted. I'm going to get people screaming, going, oh, my God, that's a trauma response. <laughs> I figured out my entire life is a trauma response. So, yeah, I'm aware it's not normal. I'm aware of that. So, but, you know, with him, you try to look for, like, kind of what was the tipping point. We hearken back to, like, Eileen Warnos. Her tipping point was that encounter with the sexual predator, her first victim. Mm-hmm. You know, that was the, the tipping point that put everything you saw, the path her life was leading. With him, you really don't see that. Like, there was no reason he could have just been normal, you know, average person living in an average town in Ohio. Mm-hmm. You know, so it it just looks like he was very much like that narcissist where he was very much, you know, it's all about me. And if you don't do this and when he got with his wife, he was very controlling. You know, you can go here, you can do this because and, and it was very traditional because he took her virginity. So he had to marry her. 
like it was that type of, of situation. Wow. So, you know, we, we it, it's a different time now, you know, like, right. I did not marry my oldest son's father. That was probably the one smart decision I've made in my life. <laughs> but, you know, it, it, we're in an era now, and, you know, for, especially for the younger listeners, where, you know, it's okay to grow up in a single-parent family. And, they, you know, we're getting away from that antiquated view that a woman's value, you know, is based upon a man's desire. I have a whole side rant on that. Oh, so we will, we, I'm trying to be nice. I mean, I can go on it and we can put it on the... The extra site there where, you know, the archaic things, but I'm a little too sober for that rant right now. (laughs) Maybe next time. Maybe next time. Maybe next time I'll be fully loaded. So, you know, with him, like, the seeds for him, I, I don't know if it was having that because she did what he told her to do. I don't know if that, if he kind of got off on the, on that, on having somebody, you know, did he feel powerless growing up? And did he feel as though, you know, he'd been abused? And so he wanted some type of power and control. That's a good it question. It could be. Yeah. It could be. You know, you do see, uh, you know, again, when we talk about trauma responses, because, again, my entire fucking life is a trauma response. <laughs> You know, I'm sorry, I'm watching TV. I need to shut off. This woman's like, my dog's swallowed some water. <laughs> Bitch, you would oh, die no. if you saw what my dog's doing the fucking pond over here. <laughs> my God, he drank, he drank the water. Like, he chased a ball. And he grabbed the ball. And it was in the water. And I'm like, uh, uh, <laughs> Listen, I might be white, but I'm not that fucking white, okay? <laughs> oh. I cannot. All right. I'm sorry. I digress. <laughs> I have the TV on for, for my goon squad, and I'm like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now you're part of it. Now I'm part of it. Part okay. of it. Oh, my God. My dog got spit water. Jesus Christ. Anyhow. <laughs> I kind of love recording with somebody who's a little neurodivergent. It's, uh, my it's fun. Spicy. Mm. We never know which direction my brain's going to go. Yeah, so. Exactly. It's one of those super bouncer balls. One of the balls. It is. It is. <laughs> <That's the brain. laughs> so. You know, we do talk about those trauma responses and that there there are those, like, when we talk about bullies, when you talk about the concept of somebody who is a bully, and they, they sit there and they find that typically, not always, sometimes people are just assholes, but sometimes when you find the bully, the bully is the one, the reason why that person is bullying others is because they're being bullied at home. Mm-hmm. So in order to kind of have some type of feeling of power because they feel powerless in this one situation, they go to seek power in another way, and it's a maladaptive behavior. You could almost think that, you know, maybe he's doing that, but again, I, and I'm not, 
I am not diminishing anything that he may have gone through. I am simply saying that it's not a, it, there was not, this was not a kid who was locked in a fucking box for years. This was not, you know, the Gabriel Fernandez case mm-hmm. at all by any stretch of the means. He was not, if he went through what I would honestly consider a normal childhood for the 60s and 70s. You know, that was that was normal. But I don't think that he ever raised it to being where it would be abuse. Would people be horrified by what we went through as children? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> but, you know, people call it childhood trauma. We call it childhood. You know, that was that was Gen X. But, you know, I, I think he's he's at the, the boomer generation, but still not a good childhood. But, you know, I don't, there was nothing in there that was like, oh, wow, yeah, he's really going to act out on this. Yeah. You know, it, he, I think he just was the type of person that he was definitely had that narcissism to him. And he just enjoyed that feeling of power so much so that when his victim left him, when his wife took the kids and said, fuck you, I'm out, which, of course, he was like, I can't believe she left me. Really? You don't right. think kicking her down the stairs had anything to do with that? Yeah. You, know, right. you can't. They're, they're two separate incidences, right? They're completely unrelated. Okay. Okay. But, I have to ask, is that a dog or is that Dave? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Dave came in and there were dogs around, so. Okay. I'm like, I'm so distracted by that noise. I'm like, yeah, we had a dog I eating in the water. Yeah, there was there was <laughs> Noe was over at the water station and Max was over at the food station, so oh, okay. You had you had two dogs really right. going and Dave was walking in and out. Then he saw me on the laptop and I was like, Yo. Out. Okay. <laughs> All right. I just had to know. Yeah, yeah. That's that's of course, there's dogs around here. Why wouldn't there be dogs? Well, I know that, but, you know, they've been fairly quiet. Yeah. So. Go ahead and say the key word, and here we go again, so. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Yeah. See? I don't Oh, you're burning? What are you burning? Okay. And make sure. He did this really cool effect on our floor, which was actually one of the best high thoughts I've ever had in my life. <laughs> What? Am I not wrong? Okay. So, you know, after the four-day, six-hour job of replacing the floor. Five days. No, by day five, you already had it down, but it was four days without a fucking floor. It was four long, horrible days. (laughs) In sections. I also had large sections of dirt. Do you hear him? Do you hear him? I want this recorded so that when, you know, Spencer's trying to defend him in his upcoming homicide case, I have justification. So anyhow, we're we're talking about what are we going to put down for flooring? Like, what are we going to do for for flooring? Are we going to do tile? What are we going to do? And again, bear in mind, I live out in the middle of fucking nowhere with five filthy-ass dogs. And so I was like, wait a minute. I was about four gummies in at this point in time. Mm-hmm. And I said, 
Can't we just get like a stain like you do for a deck and just like stain the floors? Yeah, I was like, seal it and stain it. And he's like, he's like, we could actually do that. And I was like, yeah. And then he's like, well, I could do the burn treatment to it, which is where you take a torch and you kind of burn it. And that kind of, that sands it down and gives it like a, a little bit of texture and tone to it. So, yeah. I'll see you next time. Yeah, you'll see next time you come out for Bulletin Barbecue. He's yeah. actually done the floor. And actually, it looks really cool. So, I was like, just be sealed by that. It should be. So, he was like, oh, and I'm like, this was one of the best fucking high ideas I ever had. We <laughs> saved ourselves several thousand dollars in flooring by not having to go out and put anything else down on top of it. So, I'm impressed. So, I see him with the blowtorch, and I'm like, what are you burning now? And he's like, going outside to burn. I'm like, okay. Yes. Can we get back to recording? They want to hear us, not you. Although I should have you record every week just so it's like proof of life or something. You know? <laughs> Love you. I just want to know. What? <laughs> Everybody knows what that is. That is a blowtorch. And he is turning it on and off. I said I should have you record every week as proof of life. <laughs> People are gonna be like, "How is that not domestic violence? Like, how is that not? How are you in a hell? I have never. I'm gonna tell you this right now. I have never once made claim that we were a healthy relationship. Okay. <laughs> what I have told everybody from the word go is we put the fun in dysfunctional. That's where mm -hmm. we are right here. And you know what? We just here's the difference. Every relationship has a level of dysfunction to it. We just parade ours out there for the world to see. You know? <laughs> Are there moments in time I, I honestly think, well, whoops, <laughs> a little, little, little accidental discharge, a little whoopsie doodle, you know? <laughs> but I'm going to tell you right now, he thinks the same thing about me, too. I, can, I know. I know what a challenge I am to live with. I understand that. <laughs> I'm quite sure that there are moments in time where he's just like, don't you need to take a gummy and go to bed? And that's usually the cue where I know I've just like crossed some type of fucking line with him. <laughs> I usually don't take a gummy and go to bed. I just kind of push it to see what happens. But <laughs> again, the fun and dysfunctional, ladies and gentlemen, yeah. the fun and dysfunctional. Yeah, I can attest to that. Yeah, I'm just saying. I've seen it. You see it in action. You see it in action. So, but getting getting back to Mr. Castro here, honestly, there's, I really think it was just kind of a power trip for him. He just enjoyed that, that control that, that just triggers, you know, the pleasure principle in his brain. And he was just like, yep, you know, uh, honestly, I think. Kidnapping the first girl, the first, I mean, and honestly, girl, not even a woman. She was what? Well, this one, she was still a girl, but she, the first one was 21 at the time okay. of her abduction. 21. Yeah, and then to go, and I think that's what it was, was, you know, the challenge. He got, he got a woman, and then he got a child. I mean, she was an older child at almost 17, but still, still a child. Mm -hmm. And then... 
the third one, she was 14. Yeah. A child. An actual, literal child. And uh, I think that was part of that, you know, the, 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 that high that they, the serial offenders get where they're looking for that, you know, that, that feeling that they get when they commit their crimes, what they, what they're getting for. And just the, the horrific things, like I said, we'll talk about his crimes, but his early childhood, there's not a whole lot on there. There's not a whole lot that, that pops out and says, oh, hey, you know, this guy, future, you know, predator, you know, there, there's, there's really, there's really not. Like I said, yes, you know, every family has drama. Every family has dysfunction. Again, this was not a, a Gabriel Fernandez case where, you know, He's being locked in a closet and, you know, horribly abused and mistreated. It doesn't even indicate like he was a, a target child for the abuse, you know, where they pick one child and like everybody, that child's the one that's blamed for everything, gets the worst of everything. Yeah. There wasn't even any, I couldn't find any indication of, of that either in his childhood. By all means, by all appearances, it looks like he had a, a, a normal childhood you know was he sexually assaulted i i don't know i don't know because again these are not these are the allegation that was made on the criminal fan criminal minds fandom.com site it doesn't have it doesn't state when he made that allegation that when he was five and nine-year-old did it and then there was another one i believe was on cbs news.com where they alleged that an uncle did it. These statements, that second statement came out after he had been arrested. Mm -hmm. And it was almost like when he was in that justifying his behavior, he was like, well, why shouldn't they have been done? You know, it was done to me, so I did it to them. Yeah. I'm a victim. How, I'm a victim. Yeah, too. yeah, yeah. How true it is, I don't know. You know, I don't, and it's hard because, again, you know, male children are sexually assaulted. I mean, they are, we hear more about the female children than we do the males. That, that's, I, I don't know why in 2021 we still have the mindset that boys don't get abused and boys don't get molested and boys don't get raped. They can and they do. They report as even less great than women. You know, and especially when you start getting into, you know, communities of color, it, it almost, you have a lot of the old mindset of that if that happens to you as a man, you're less of a man. You know, that you, you know, that, that you, you're been, you know, emasculated if that has happened. And so you can't say anything because people won't view you as a man. And, and I know it's very sad and men are very, are much less likely to ask for assistance. Men are more likely to downplay issues than anything else. The allegations that he's, he's made, which again, were only two statements. And again, only one was actually attributed to him directly during his questioning. And 
did that really happen? I don't want to say it didn't happen. I don't want to say I don't believe it because I know that there are men out there who are afraid of saying anything because they're afraid nobody will believe them or that there's that backlash. I can't substantiate this mm-hmm. with when we talked about Eileen Warnos, who was heavily sexually assaulted mm-hmm. by her family. There's multiple allegations. There, there, there's a timeline of sexual assault. You know, whereas with him, it's like, well, when I was five, this happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. But it wasn't as though he had been trafficked or anything like that, where um, yeah, it would kind of explain yeah. his obsession with sex. Did, was he hypersexual? He could have been. And, you know, there are individuals who, who have the, who are, you know, obsessed with sex and obsessed with you know, really rough sex, and that could be something that was going on with him. We will, we right. will never know. But whatever, I'm gonna just say this: whatever you're into, somebody else is into. So, I mean, if he wanted to lock somebody up, he could have found somebody. You know, there are there are sites for that type of stuff. So, whatever you're looking into, but also in those those situations it's always a consent you know there's a consensual there's boundaries there are are rules and I think that he didn't want those boundaries he didn't want those rules he wanted the fear he wanted the pain he wanted the misery that was important childhood you know but I think what it is when we look back at childhood we really try to find the why or what was going on, what was happening. Yeah. <laughs> Could there have been interventions? Could there have been this? Pioneer caught your attention. And when we talked about Craig Price, it didn't matter what the interventions was. His parents did everything right. right. Well, he's still, uh, next time we'll know, be talking about you know, the crime. He still wasn't right. He was Ariel never Castro. going to be right. And I think that in the meantime, if you honestly, Ariel is kind of the same in that in that manner where he was going to. There's nobody else in his family that is violent. Yeah. There's nobody else. Like I said, <laughs> we I did mention his daughter earlier, <laughs> but out of all out of, out of his children, comment? she's the only one who uh, yeah. has like criminal involvement. <laughs> you know, and she, oh, yeah. you know, she tried Don't to plead a mental me. health do it, uh, defense.
like, give us five stars. I want all five stars. Uh, I want all five. Come on. My my criteria is worth five stars. I'm just saying, y'all got a front row to the shit show that is Denise. I'm just just saying, just saying. <laughs> I know you're not looking at me for anything intelligent at this point. I mean, that, that train. I know, you're like, hey, you're an administrator on this. I have no idea what the fuck that means, but okay. I am here for it. We're out there. We're out there. <laughs> Just remember, Denise is feral, so, you know, whatever response you get, just saying, violence in a swamp, you know. <laughs> All right, thanks, guys, for listening.